This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What up, guys? Dr. Vic here, and this is another episode on this wonderful podcast called the Mindful Experiment. Um, wanted to share, this is a fun interview I had where I dove deep with Sid Garza Hillman on a ton of things, but is it was one of those conversations to where we had talked about the six truths, his new book, and we discussed a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about the whole aspect of small step approach, how to create habit change, um, different things from healthy eating, and so many different aspects of how we can really create change and shifts within our life to learn to become the masters of our life, build confidence and clarity and so much more. Before I get into the episode, Sid is an author of three published works, Approaching the Natural Health, A Health Manifesto, Raising Healthy Parents, Small Steps, Less Stress, and A Thriving Family and Six Truths, Live by These Truths and Be Happy, Don't and You Won't. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy from UCLA, is a public speaker, podcaster, What's It Thinks podcast, certified nutritionist, running coach, and oxygen advantage breathing instructor. He is a Stanford Inn and Amp Resorts Wellness Programs Director and Race Director of the Mesodino Coast 50K Trail Ultra Marathon. Crazy, 50 miles. It's a 50K is just unreal. Um, Sid created a groundbreaking habit chain system and coaches people all over the world via his 12-week online program, Small Steppers, and 12-week private coaching intensive, Small Step Intensive. His core strategy of awareness-based habit change helps people increase productivity, establish long-term habits in a healthy eating, fitness, creative pursuit, and organizational arenas. Fun interview. I know you're going to find a lot of value out of this just as much as I was. So without any further ado, here is Sid Garza Hillman. Sid, welcome to the show. Thanks. Nice to be here, Victor. I'm excited to have you on, man. I'm, I think we're going to have a really fun time here chatting and just getting to pick your brain on all the things that you're up to in, in life and what you're doing for the world. So before we get into that stuff, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into what you're doing today? Well, it's a it's a series of weird left turns, and I think that sometimes I think that's the best way to get somewhere when you didn't expect to get there. But that's how it happened with me. So uh, I'll I'll truncate this as much as this is a Cliff Notes version of my of my hippie journey. Uh, anyways, I started off years ago as an indie rock musician um, in L.A. and an actor, but I was a lifelong asthmatic, and just by chance, somebody handed me a diet book, goes, you should read this. And I go, yeah, all right. And so I read a diet book, having no interest in, in anything health-wise at all, um, but made a little change in my diet as a test. My asthma went away for the first time in 22 years, um, and it's never been back since. So while I continued to play music for years and, and become a, a working actor, I just read book after book. When I finally, LA had taken me down, Los Angeles, my wife and I were like, let's get the hell out of here. So we moved to this little town. And kind of just had this feeling of like, well, now what am I going to do? I need a break from music and everything else. And so I went back to school, became a nutritionist. Um, and I started working with clients, quickly realized that I was failing with almost everyone because the recommendations were good, but they weren't sticking with them. So my bachelor's degrees in philosophy, I was very much in that space still of, of thinking about things in that, in that way. I backed back out of nutrition and said, this, I don't like what's going on here. I don't like taking people's money and 
a month later, they're back to their old ways. So I really started to formulate what was going on here. And to me, when I realized it wasn't a food issue so much as it was a stress issue, a habit change issue, I formulated my small steps approach. At that point, I got my first book published, which was about that called Approaching the Natural. And I came back in as a small stepper under which I teach people nutrition. And I'm now a certified running coach and a certified breathwork coach, but it's all under the umbrella of stress management and long-term habit change. So they are first equipped with tools to enable long-term habit. Then I can teach them the particulars of diet or whatever else. So that's where I am today. And I, and I love it. I, I, people are sticking with most people, you know, not everybody, but most people are sticking with, with my, now my recommendations nutritionally, because they're able to apply it and make a habit out of it, which is super cool. I love that. Sometimes you, you, when it comes to anything with habits, we, we got to get, you know, and I, I want to talk more about small stuffers before, uh, you know, and, and, and we'll go much more in depth with that, but you, you got to, you know, we can tell them what to do and stuff, but it's like, we, how do we give them a system or approach or a process, right. To okay. shift those habits. Um, and then that's like giving them the background of having that success to make that shift. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm working with a, you know, a 70 year old right now, you know, like you're talking about people who are, <clears throat> you know, years in the making of their existing routines. And so to expect that you're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, change your routine of eating, your habit of eating that you've been doing for 50 years, you know, in, in a 21 day diet is insane. I mean, it really is. And that's why, I mean, quick fixes don't work. So we get attracted to them because it's a shiny little ball over the side. And we go, oh my God, that's fantastic. You know, I can just do this. And somebody tells me exactly what to do. But at the end of 21 days, you're left with zero tools to continue that on. So this is the hardest work that people can do, but I'm super inspired by the fact that I'm working with people who've been, you know, like I said, 70 years old and they're making real changes at any age. It's amazing. And so it's been pretty cool to watch that happen. I love that brother. So let, let's dive in then. Let's talk a little bit about, you, you brought up small, the small steppers and all that. I love to know, let's, let's go there first. So what's that? Uh, what does it entail? What's it about? How does, you know, and all that good stuff. Well, as you know, because you're the same as I do, we <clears throat> neither you nor I have the hair to be hippie. But this is the hippiest I'm going to get. I swear. Come on, man. I, I, I got my my wife would say I'm a hippie to some degree. I'm just. I did. A, I did. I did a movie once, and I and uh, I was in a movie once, and I had to get a physical for the movie. And the doctor said to me, "This woman, she goes, she said, I love this term. She goes, God, uh, God gave only a few people really well shaped heads, and on all the rest, he put hair." And I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, anyways, I like that. Yeah, I, I, know, like I know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so um, the so the way that the way the, this is how happy I'm to get. I use a mantra. This mantra. That's the word. Okay. So the my mantra is mind first, body second. Mind first, body second. Now, what this means is when somebody comes to me because they want to improve their diet and they want to lose weight and they want to take care of their type two diabetes or whatever that whatever brings them in my door or running or whatever, I go. Good, good goal, good goal. We'll get to that in a minute. We're not there yet because we got to get these ducks in a row, the mind. We're going to work on the mind first, then second, meaning I want people to get their heads around what are their real goals? Because if you ask somebody for another minute past their initial goal, which is I want to lose weight. If you go, do you want to gain it back or do you want to keep it off? Well, I want to keep it off. Okay, well, then you'll never do a diet because that will never succeed in you keeping it off. So let's get very clear on what your goals actually are. Take them through an exercise where... They write down their ideals, how, what their perfect life would look like as if they were living it now. <clears throat> and then that's a direction that they move to. I, we work through the ideas of maybe you'll never reach your ideals. It doesn't matter, but you set them first and you know where you're going. If your ideal is, 
I'm at a healthy weight and I'm a healthy person and I have a healthy relationship with food. I don't binge and I don't beat myself up if I eat something a little bit not so healthy. Then you'll never do a diet. You'll it keeps you on track, and then you realize what you're really going for. So it's mind first, body second. When I feel with a client or in my online program that I'm very involved with because I do live Q and A's and things, if I feel that somebody is understanding that at their core, they get it now. Okay, I got this. I've got. I'm clear on who I am and how I want to operate. At that point, then I will transition to the body side of it, which is the particulars of running coaching or the particulars of breath work or the particulars of diet. But I don't want to. Ha- I have. Con- I have people who come in and go, "I want to lose weight," and they get pissed at me. First four weeks, they go, "But when are we going to talk about nutrition?" I go, "You're not there yet," because you're so focused on food, you're so obsessed with food, you're so obsessed with calorie counting all stuff that's not necessary at all. Until you can let that stuff go and realize who you actually are, then we will talk about food. If I give it to you first, you're going to do what you do. What you've done, by the way, every client comes to me after yo-yo dieting for 20 years, right? So I go, "You've seen this movie." You've seen the movie of going all in on food. You've seen this movie about how you fail and you gain the weight back. Let's do it differently this time. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun give and take, but man, it's a, it's a battle at times, a real battle. I, I, I can relate as a chiropractor. I am a, I'm not the, the norm of a chiropractor, but a lot of times people, like I, I literally, if someone calls, like my team would know, like someone says, hey, I got this pain. I just want to get out of this pain. My team would be like, listen, I... The doc, he'll be more than happy to see you, but understand that if you're coming here, just to, just to know that you got the right chiropractor, this is a lifestyle office. This is not a, a treatment model base, whatever that just, well, it doesn't really exist. And and then they'll be like, well, I just want to be out of pain. And he's the one that's highly recommended. And they'll be like, okay, I, just understand that it's not going, it, there's going to be a length of care and he's going to talk to you about this when that time comes. Um, because we want to be transparent with the client to, you know, the sure. patient to let them know, Hey, I, cause there are some people who are like, I really don't care. Just give me out of pain. I'm like, yeah. you don't want to know why it's been there and yeah, the yeah. history behind yeah, what's it underneath. And yeah, yeah. all that stuff that's going on that led to this. And then you know, some people just don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I could totally relate. I totally understand that, that, that journey and that process, but I love that. I love what you, you're doing on that because you have to, um, we're so, we're so conditioned in so many ways. And, I wouldn't even say mind first, body second is even that hippie-ish if you had, it, for my world. It's just the word mantra. It, yeah. it was just that I used the word mantra. Oh, gotcha. That's mantra. Just, sorry, it's sorry. Just the word that, it was just I used the word mantra. I also use the word journey. That's very, also, I don't have the heretics to, to support that word either. <laughs> the journey. I love it. Yes. I, I know. I don't know what. I mean, hey, I would have loved to have the, you know, when I was 19 years old, side story, I used to have like seven and a half inches of long curly hair. Could have pulled that off then, but yeah. Uh, that's when God said, okay, you did it once you had your yeah, experience. Me too. We're, we're going to get rid of it now. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I digress. So when we're looking at the small steps, steps, steppers, and it's, it's one of these things where it's really just getting, looking at the, the habit side of things and really working on that uh, yeah. before implementing anything else like breath work and other stuff that you do. Correct. Get your ducks. In, know what, know what, know I, I, you know, in the exercise, I, I've worked with morbidly obese people and in the right, and this is, by the way, I, they write everything because they have everything in writing forever. Um, in that exercise, I have more, I've had morbidly obese people write in their, in that first exercise, I'm at a healthy weight. And that's a very weird thing for them to see because in, in their ideal, they're at a healthy weight. So what I always say is I'm not helping people become new people. I'm helping them become who they already are, but haven't been behaving in line with that person for years. So when a, when a, if I ask somebody what their ideal is and they say, if I were living my perfect life, I'd be at a healthy weight. I go, well, who is the entity that values that? Who is the entity that sees that as an ideal? So we can beat ourselves up for binging, or we can realize it's not who we are. 
we actually are people who have a healthy relationship with food, ideally. So let's start moving in that direction. Let's start getting that person out more every day. That's never done in diets. There's never a discussion of stress management in diets. It's simply, here's the shopping list. Here's day one. Here's the recipes. Go, I'll tell you exactly what to do. And I see the draw of that, man. It's like, you know, tell me what to do so I don't have to think about it. The problem is, is without thinking about it, you're not actually going to solve the issue. Just like what you do with your clients. It's like, unless you think about it, you're going to come, we'll get to the pain away, but you're going to be back in our door in a month because you're going to have the exact same thing happen again. That's a yo-yo dieting thing. And I, look, I'm a father of three and I'm a husband. I'm, a, I, I'm very busy. I get the draw of diets. It's easy. It's easy. Just tell me what to do. Good Lord. I don't want to think about it. I got too much stuff on my plate. But at some point, and this is why, by the way, I don't work, I don't work with 20-year-olds because I'm like, you got like 10 more yo-yo diets to do. We'll talk about, get, go burn yourself, come crawling in my door when you're like, I can't do this anymore. Then I'm like, okay, now we can get the, the real work done. You're still distracted by the shiny. When you're done with that, let's get the real work done. So I'm always like in the 30 to 70 range of people who are like, Sid, I am so done. I go, good. Now, now the real work begins. But until you can see that, you can't see it. I love that. I think it's a good market. You know, you got to get, get that, you know, when you're young, you have, you just like, okay, I can try this. I can do this. And you just keep burning up all that energy. Yep. And uh, it's like in, in spiritual, you know, when I work, when I tell, sometimes I'll tell people like, if they're like, they're too mental heavy, this is what I do with my, sometimes with my coaching clients and they just don't know how to tap into feeling. I'll say, I want you to go to physical exhaustion. And then once you hit physical exhaustion, then I want you to go do this inner work and start processing. And then they're like, I can't think. What do you mean? I'm not going to be able. I'm like, that's why I want you to do this. I go, this is old techniques. They used to exhaust the hell out of somebody. Um, and then once they're fully like they can't, they're, they're totally exhausted, then the actual work and the process can begin. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. My new, the new book I'm working on right now, I'm hoping to have it. Uh, the publisher thinks it can be out next year, but it's on ultra running. I'm an ultra runner. Um, and it's, it's sell, trying to sell ultra running to people who are completely not good athletes like myself, because there is that physical wearing down and that mental wearing down that we don't actually experience in the modern world because we're so much in a comfort zone. Um, and to take yourself into these kinds of places is actually, there's a lot of cool stuff happens, um, in that, in that way. So anyway, side note, but no, no, real quick. So you can just share with the listeners. What is ultra, you say ultra runner. Yeah. Marathon? Ultra running. Oh, so uh, yeah. Ultra right. running. So, sorry. There we go. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Either ultra marathon, whatever. Um, ultra, it's trails. Um, it's anything over 26.2 miles. So the I actually direct a race. I just had my fifth year um, on April 23rd. Um, sold out race every year. Super cool. This very little kind of cool little brings in people from 17 states into my little town here. Congrats. Yeah, very cool. Um, but it's a 50K. So my, my actual race is about 34 miles. 50K is technically 31.4, but it never quite works out that way. Anyway, 34 miles on trails, 5,000 speed of climb. And I'm telling you, every year I've had at least 10 over 60s and a handful over 70s. And a woman who's 72 years old comes, come traipsing right across. And she was not in last place, by the way. She was definitely in, in the race, middle, probably mid pack, 72 years old, comes walking across, running across the finish line. Great race, goes walking on, 72 years old. So it's pretty incredible what the human body and mind can do. You know, as they say in the South, bless, bless her heart, you know, yeah, bless exactly, her heart. Exactly. Uh, I'll tell you any, when I hear ultra running, ultra marathons, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, I'm just built in a different way. You I know th I can You'd think, you'd think it's pretty surprising. And that's the thing, you know, cause you your body will adapt, right? No matter what you can and shift your mind. Yep. And your, yeah, a buddy of mine uh, ran it first, first ultra run she's ever done. She's 51 mother of two, um, you know, decent runner but not any kind of, I don't even think she's run a marathon. And she came top of her, she came through the ultra run first time she'd ever run an ultra marathon period. Um, 
top of her age group, fifth overall woman overall, and 29th in the entire race. And it was her first ultra. Like, and she came across, I was like, what are you doing here? She came across the finish line and she killed across the finish line. It wasn't even like she crawled. She came through and goes, oh my God, that was amazing. And she could, you know, was so scared the week before she didn't know she could finish all these guys. Like, oh, you'll be fine. I just knew because she, you know, she was kind of killing it. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of overcoming fear. It's pretty cool. I love it. No, it is. I mean, like anything, right. It's all mental. It's one of those things like, you know, being an athlete and, 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 and challenging, putting my body through the most rigorous things that I could possibly put it through. It, it really just, it, it comes down to that mental component and just being Definitely. able to be like, you know, I think, uh, what was it? David Goggins says he talked a lot about it in his book where it's like, when you think you're at exhaustion, you know, there's 40%, a percent, 40%, 40%, exactly. Right. <laughs> and, and I could tell you, even from just from what I understand about the body and what I trained and learned, there's protection mechanisms built in your muscles that whatever you think your max strength is, that is around 33 to 35% of actually wow. what your max strength is because of the protection mechanisms built into the body to protect the tendons and the muscles from overstretching. Yeah. And so then I'm like, so when I heard David Guy's 40%, I'm like, yeah, it's about right, you know, based yeah. on that principle. But it's still one of those things. Whenever you're tired, I love the pull-up thing. Whenever you're tired, yeah, just take it, just stand down for a second, go back up. You'll be able to pull at least another one or two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you'll still can be able to do that, but I digress. Yeah, no, no it's crazy stuff. Um, so let's, between ultra running and on uh, the six, uh, the, the small steppers and all that, you also have a book, six truths love right. to get into this because it's all about the live by these truths and to be happy. And it was say, and don't, and you won't, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Don't, and you won't. Yeah. Um, yeah, it came out last year. Um, it's a basically my first book is approaching the natural health manifesto. I would say this one is more of a happiness manifesto. As I as I progressed in my career over the last twelve years, it, what I realize is when somebody comes to me wanting to be healthier, I see it as what they really want is to be happier, and with un, and within that is is health. Of course, I think that taking care of our bodies goes a huge, the biggest way toward being happy. I think it's the most overlooked. We want to be happy without the work of, of making our bodies and minds healthy. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a manifesto of sorts of, of happiness. It's six truths that I think are, I tried to kind of distill and encapsulate a, a direction for people to make themselves happy. Um, and a lot of it is accepting that, you know, getting away from this hack mentality and, and actually buckling down to do the hard work of what it takes to be yours, to make yourself healthy and happy. Um, you know, in 2018, as a test, I quit all social media, uh, deleted it, deleted all the accounts, literally deleted, not even just stop, but deleted and, um, and figured, you know, I can always come back, never did. And I, so I've been social media free since 2018 with the exception of YouTube people. Some people think that's, that's social media, my YouTube channel for the last couple of years, I just, I put a YouTube video up and I disable comments. I don't, I don't, and I never, I never allow comments. So that, and I, and I have my podcast. So those are my two sort of main ways of getting out there. But um, yeah, it was interesting within a, within a year of quitting social media, a year and a half, I had written an entire album's worth of music for the first time in like 14 years, hadn't, hadn't recorded or put out an album in 14 years. And yet here I'm writing a whole new record, um, which I've now been become recording in down in Los Angeles last month. Um, so it's, it, it was part of the truth is social media ain't social. And I'm not trying to convince people to quit social media, but I am want them. I do want them to recognize that it is not a healthy action when done too much. People are on it too much. It was definitely taking me down. It was affecting my quality of life in a negative way. I took it to the extreme and quit just to see what it would be like. My hand, Victor, when I deleted, so, uh, Facebook was trembling. Literally, when I went to push the button, it was shaking. 
And I was like, huh, kind of like giving up drugs. Uh, <laughs> so it was uh, it was a kind of an interesting, uh, well, not kind of, it was a completely interesting experiment. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep going until whatever. And it's never come back. So how, you know, some people listening to this, you know, cause I've, I've wanted to get away from social media from time to time, uh, especially Facebook. <clears throat> and, uh, but it was one of those things where I love what you brought up though. Like, you're like, look at this. I, I was, I wrote an album that I haven't wanted to do. I haven't done it in 14 years, you know, things like that. You, you brought up something that I was trembling. Were you trembling? What was the trembling bef- when you were getting ready to delete? Why, why was that happening? I think as social media is addictive, but I don't think it is. It is addictive. It, the model's addictive. And when I had started, part of the inspiration for me quitting it was, was research, you know, I listened to some podcasts and read some articles about the algorithms, the intention in creating these social media companies of, of crafting their model in a way that would create addiction, trickling out likes, not telling you how many people have liked your photo right away, letting you know that some people have, and then you go back and there's no change. And then you go back and there's no change. And now there's more likes. Those are all based on psychological experiments with pigeons. They hit a button, they get a treat, hit a button to get a treat. Somebody realized, what if you don't give them a treat every time you intermittently drip out those treats, they would hit the button more. And that was, that was Facebook was, was built on that model. If we don't let and Instagram, if you don't let them know all once, they're going to keep kicking it. We got to get them back on that, on that screen. You know, in my podcast, you know, we can get pissed about that, or we can understand the fact that we demand things for free and these companies want to make money. That's a very dangerous relationship. I want free stuff. You got to make money. So what are you going to do? You're going to make it such that I get on you on your little platform as much as possible. And you're going to manipulate headlines to make them seem more negative. You're going to do all the clickbaity thing so that I am on there more often. And that's a model I think we've invited on ourselves by demanding everything for free. We don't want to pay for anything. But then we get mad about the fact that YouTube is steering us toward, you know, crazy children videos, which they correct. I got off YouTube for about a year. I was like, this, I don't even like, this is crazy what you're doing. I went over to Vimeo and then they fixed their, their stuff. And I went back on YouTube, but they're not, it's not great because they're trying to make money at, at the expense of keeping things free. And I think that that's not a good model if you don't have some good ethical foundation there. And I don't think Zuckerberg has an ethical foundation. Uh, I can agree with you there. You know, one thing I, and I, and I bring this up too, because it's like, even from a business perspective, if you were like telling Somebody, you know, so you're telling your story. Here's some business. Some someone in business would be like, "What are you doing? Social media is where you want to be. That's where you, Facebook is. Where you, that's the goal. Oh, yeah. You got how many people there? You know, do you mind? Sh- I'm just curious. I do have entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast. And and it, it, did that? Did you see growth and everything from even from that perspective from cut, cutting out? Uh, I saw personal growth. Uh, but I'll be I'll be very honest. And I was, I talked about in the book. I I my podcast. I mean, my career took uh, my followers took a hit. So there's no doubt about that. Absolutely no doubt about it. However, I never found it that significant, first of all. Second of all, I think a lot of it is crap. I think a lot of people buy followers and they have the numbers and publishers. How many followers on Facebook? Well, if they're 10, 000, you know, 50,000, but you bought 40,000, it's fake. But anyways, neither here nor there. What I found was a absolute, like I said, with the writing of my music, I just, with my time with my family, my quality of life came up. I think the quality of my work increased after getting off social media. So my first podcast I had for 222 episodes was called the Approaching the Natural Podcast. It was based on my approach in my first book. And I was kind of, I had thousands, over 10,000, you know, listeners, which isn't huge, but it's significant. That is huge. Yeah. When I 
shut that down after 222 episodes. I didn't know if I'd ever come back to podcasting, but then I started having ideas. So about six months later, I launched my current show, What Fit, What Sid Thinks. I just did my 150th episode. I'm not even at a thousand. So, you know, it's like, but I will say the quality of the work has gone up. The quality of my listenership has gone up, not the quantity, but the quality. What people when people follow me, it's because they're in it for real. They're not just, you know, kind of they're in it. I have, you know. Good, good followers that are into ideas that are in, listening to these kinds of things that email me. It's not like I can't, you can't get in touch with me. I'm just not tweeting 280 characters. So you, 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 they can send me emails, and they, can, I'm very accessible, but not in all these platforms. And I don't, to me, and even with friends, it was weird. I was in touch with people on Facebook. When I quit Facebook, a, a fraction of those I'm still in touch with, but they're like the real. They're not the. Girlfriend, girlfriend from high school, you know, the guy that I barely knew, but I'm, you know, it was like quality over quantity. And I really came to appreciate that, like uh, on a profound level. No, I appreciate you sharing. I, I wanted to ask too, because I wanted to ask that because you're bringing up a point that I talk a lot about where you're like, my whole, my, my personal life got better and everything improved there. But, and then, but then you brought up another point, but the quality of what I do and everything that I do just leveled up to a whole nother level. And I think that's critical because when you, when you, a lot of things I teach is like, you know, in my coaching business that I do, and when I work with clients, I, I'm a business coach. So when you hear business coach, a lot of people think, oh, you're going to help me with my bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's not the primary. Well, hold on, but you talk about it. Yes, I talk about it, but there, I have a, a unique way of going about it. And the real reason, the real thing is, is I actually work on their life. Their, their relationships, their health, their mindset, their, their mission and passion and vision and purpose of what they want. And I said, if we can get all that in alignment and get that solid, the business just comes because That's it's right. the product of the person. That's right. And, and so it's one of those things where you, you, you're seeing that effect. You see more probably of from doing those kind of things. Maybe not, it wasn't initially, but down the road from just my own research of seeing things uh, you saw that. And, and I, and I commend you to do that because it's something that, I, there's certain, like, I'm, I'm like itching right now. Like, I'm like, ah, maybe I should just focus on two platforms and get rid of everything else. Mm -hmm. And then just be like, that's it. Who cares? And just, just, just get away. And I can always go back if I need to, but that's how I was. I, I, I had gotten, I'd gotten rid of Twitter about six months before, but in one month I dumped, deleted Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Strava. And I'm not even anti Strava. I love Strava, but it was just this thing of like, what if I have nothing? What if I have literally nothing to log into, except for I have my videos that I put out and my podcast that I put out. That's what I want. I just, those are my, and my blog, but I don't blog that much, but mostly it's podcasts. And I just want to streamline. And I'm telling you, man, the mental space that that opens up. Oh my God. It's like a whole, first of all, you got to have downtime. So you got to get used to night, not doing stuff, not pushing stuff in your head all the time. And it just opens up this kind of thinking platform. When I trained for my first ultra marathon, just as a challenge, I thought, what if I, cause I'm going out for three, four hour runs all of a sudden. Right. And I go, what if I don't listen to podcasts or music? What if I just go out by myself? And it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Harder than the running. It was harder than the run, not do not having stuff, music or anything in my head, no headphones, just running in silence, but you get used to it. And all of a sudden ideas start to come in. It's a whole nother. It's like we lost, we've lost, I've done some research and read great books on solitude on, on being quiet, even if you're around loud stuff, but not intentionally putting stuff into your head, just having moments like driving in the car, don't turn anything on for five minutes. Just don't have any music, nothing. 
A lot of people can't do that. We are very much with our phones in our hands. We never have a moment to think or process anything. And I think it's taken us down. It has. I mean, and you brought up a great point too. Like sometimes people, uh, I always tell people like, go out and just sit in your backyard and let nature be your music. Sit. Yeah, just, just uh, try nothing for yeah. even minute. You know, I'm a small stepper. So all people go, I can't yes. just one minute, one minute, go stand outside for one minute and do nothing for one minute, for one minute. It's, it's a very hard, people are surprised at how hard it is. And it's getting harder by the way, because we, any moment of thinking we distract with whatever we can, we can. Well, you brought up a great point with Facebook because I know their, their algorithm in many ways of what it's designed and it is designed to be a dopamine kick and they look for those ways. So what's that doing to our minds and be able to handle? Because once you keep firing dopamine for responses, it's like a drug. You need to fire more now to get that same effect. Um, By the way, junk food, junk food is exactly the same way. I mean, I I see it through literally drugs, alcohol, uh, social media, junk food. It's to me, it's all the same. It's all the same kind of thing. Best minimized all of them. Totally. And then there's the, but then the other thing to you bringing up is like the, the attention spans, right? Because now uh, we, we, our attention spans as humans is less than a goldfish. And that's not really that good for our species in the near future. Uh, but anyway, I digress on all that. Well, can, well, can I, can I, well, can I tell you a quick story about that? Yeah, go ahead. So I was writing my second book, which is called Raising Healthy Parents, Small Steps, Less Stress, and a Thriving Family. It's about parents. The message is, you know, parents need to take some time back and develop their own health and happiness in order to parent better, not put themselves on the back burner because they have to take care of the kids. They, they have to take care of the kids, but they got to take care of themselves first. That's the message of the book. Neither here nor there. I'm writing the book. And I'd already had a book published. So I go, second book, done this before, been there. And I start writing. And I cannot focus for more than five minutes. I mean, it was unbelievable. I would write for about five minutes, go, oh, killing it. And I'd all of a sudden I'd be on YouTube. I'd be on Facebook. This is before I quit social media, right? So I'm doing, I, I, all of a sudden, five minutes, I can't. And I told my wife at the time, I was like, I, I am worried. I cannot focus. I cannot focus. Something is going on with my brain. And I, on one of my little distraction trips over to YouTube, I saw recommended, I feel like it was the universe, again, hippie, universe was talking to me, a TED talk by a guy named Cal Newport. You ever heard of this guy? Cal Newport. Sounds so, familiar. Okay. So, so it says why I have no social media or something like that. I watched this 13 minute TED talk. He's written a book called Deep Work. And it is literally about what you just said. It is, if I ever meet the guy, he saved me because I immediately started putting in constraints. I put a free plugin on my browser that that during certain hours, if I went over to it, it'd say, shouldn't you be working? And it would block me from websites. And I, I realized, and so I was able to catch it in time and, and put constraints on so that I didn't have email accessible for certain times, didn't have websites accessible for certain times because I realized, and he talks about in that book that there is neurological changes, physiological wirings of the brain that we are not being, we are, especially kids, losing the ability to stick with something long-term. We are so partitioned in our, it's like popcorn brain. We go from one thing to another and we are losing the ability to get into deep, sustained work. And uh, so, you know, it's another thing I really coach people on. It's, it's true. It's scary because I mean, my whole, my work as a Cairo, I'm very heavily into the neuro side because I worked with a lot of, I mean, I was a pediatric Cairo and stuff too. So uh, neurology is my, my, the thing that I focused heavily. And it's one of those things where what we're seeing and what we're, how everything coming, even from a neural development standpoint of because of this, um, we can make, it can still, there's still can change, the brain changes, but there's it just does. some things, there's just some things that you're, we're just making the road harder now. That's harder. 
and right. harder. Yeah, we can catch it, but we got to catch it. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if we sh- you shared, but I would love to get really quick here. The, you talk, in your book, Six Truths, what are the six truths? Uh, you're going to make my sharing. You're going to make me have them by, by, by memory. Well, look at this. I got luckily got the book right here. I, I, I use this as a coaster, literally use this as a coaster. When I do in my pocket, I put the coffee right on it. Okay. So, uh, good Lord, man. Okay. So we got, I'm sorry. Uh, I, you know, we could go to a different question. You, 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 you should have knew that was coming. I, 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 know, I know. I know. I'm going to, I'm going to, here's, I'll summarize most of them. Here we go. Social media ain't social. Uh, tr- uh, happiness is in the A to Y not the Z. So again, A in the A to Y, you hit your goal, start another goal and start working toward it. Okay. There's no substitute for hard work and there never will be, uh, live the example. Okay. So, so being the example is, is the, I think it's like the whole shebang or whatever. That, that's the whole, that's like the whole, so that's five of them. And the, and the one, other one, I can't remember, but it'll come to me. But anyway, so it's basically like live the example. You got to work your ass off. Social media is not social. So to get back into the sort of the more natural way of doing things. And, and it's in the movement every day. It's in the action of day. It's not in the goal. The goal is great, but I sort of go with my clients, like make the goal in a way obsolete. You either hit it or you don't, but you have it. That's the most, if you have a goal, then you've got somewhere to move to. And the movement is what makes us happy every day. My, a lot of my clients, by the way, come to me because they're not, they don't have motivation. They don't have passion they don't have, they're stagnant and it's getting them moving in. That's why I'm a small stepper because this gargantuan things looming, keep them on the couch too big. I can't deal with it. So if I can get them to think about what can I do today, their everything changes their shoulder, you know, the weight off their shoulders comes off. Oddly enough, they'll even start eating better before I even coach them on food because they're less stressed. They're feeling more fulfilled. So this book was a dedication to people to get them moving towards something to really formulate their lives in a way that gets them off the figurative or literal couch into doing things day to day. Even if it's the smallest of things, it is still in that action that we find happiness. And I think health as a result of that. No, I love it. And that's why I love your whole thing with the small steppers. Anytime anyone talks about doing things small first is always great. Cause you brought up something like if it's a big thing, then no, you're not going to do it. And the brain is literally designed that if it cannot connect the dots, if it's too, like I tell people, if you want to make like, sometimes I work with a client, I want to make a million dollars. Okay, great. Um, where are you at right now? Well, I'm at 50,000. Okay. Uh, that's a big gap. How about we yeah. focus here? You know, and, it, and it's like, like, what do you mean? I'm like, you, you may be motivated and you may be inspired and you're building all this motivation and all this stuff. But I'm like, that's just the gap is too big. Your brain's yeah. going to, it's shutting it down because you never right. experienced it. It doesn't know. It doesn't even understand the, the, the lengths of where you have to go. How about just, how can you get to 51? That's yeah, literally, because that'll get you, that'll get you in the direction. It's fine. Right. Have that million out there. But if you keep thinking about like, when I write a new book, when I write my new book, I had to do my same small steps approach, which is the books, this huge thing. Oh my, starting a new book. So my first step was for me, open the file once a day. Don't even write anything. Just open the file once a day. I just had to get it on my radar. Then that became five minutes a day and that became 10. Now I'm writing every day, but I got to play the same game because if I think about getting this whole book done, I will distract myself at first, at first opportunity because I don't want to deal with it too much. So we have to play that game with ourselves. It's just human nature and what it is. And we can get pissed about it or we can accept it and get moving and do things that make us happy and healthy. Now, and you bring up a great point with that too, because it's like, you know, I just finished my third book and it's like, some people always ask like, you know, do you do the outline? Do you do this? Or how do you do it? And I'm like, it's kind of your way. Just mine's a little different where I'm just like chapter one, 
Mm-hmm. I'll feel the theme. I'll feel what the title of it is. All right, here we go. I'm going to write until this is done. Whenever that mm-hmm. happens, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's like, what, what's your next chapter? You know, now somebody will ask me like, okay, you did chapter. What's, what's, what's the names of all the chapters? I have no clue. Yeah. What do you mean you don't have no clue? I'm in the moment. I'm just going to do yeah. it a little at a time. It'll come to me. Once the title's there, then I can write. But until it comes to me, I just continue to press along just a little bit here, a little bit yeah. there. I throw some ideas out there. May not even use half of it. But it's just, you know, going in, just make sure I'm doing it still because that's that whole movement, right? You got to make sure you're having you're that energy it. moving forward. If you're doing it, stuff's coming in. You know, if you, if you just don't, if you just go, I'll wait for, for inspiration, you'll never, you got to start the movement. And, you know, and that's why I, I kind of work the same way you do. It's just, it's just, you know, how, what gets me working is just that small step of like, I'm just going to open the file today, you know, and then, and then I'm, then I'm in it and then stuff would start to come in, you know, but you got to just say like, today, I'm just going to open the file. Some days I would just open and shut it back down. Other days it would be open and I'd get rolling on something and have a really good idea, you know? So you, but it's all about the movement. It's all about the action. You do. And, and, and like what you're sharing here for the listeners, it's always, you got to find what works for you too. Right. Because it, it, instead of, you know, if you go listen to somebody and they say, well, this is how you write a book or this is how you do this. You may be, if you get really stressed out with it, maybe there's something, you know, that you, it's not aligning with you or what you are. Cause I know when I was, it took me, I wanted to write a book since I was 26 years old. My first book was written. What was that? How I'm trying to think. How, I was 34. So that was, it took me almost eight years just to get my first book written. And it really was just letting go of all the ideologies of how to write yes. a book and just yes. go, here's what I'm going to do. This is my first book. I don't expect it to be perfect. I'm not trying to get number one bestseller or this and that. It's nice to have that. But I'm like, I just care about getting the books out there um, because that's what really matters at the end of the day. So what you just described is how I exactly the same kind of thing can I apply to diets. You can have the information about how to eat the healthiest diet. Most people have a pretty good idea about how to eat well. If they're not eating well, it's not because they don't know enough. It's because they're not. So you got to let go of this idea of perfection. I do this with clients. The idea of perfection, what even that is. But you wrote a book. And at the end of the day, you can know everything about how to write the book or even find your way of doing it. But if you're not doing it, you're you're like the thousands of screenwriters in LA sitting in coffee houses who've never written a screenplay. They'll tell you they're a screenwriter, but there's they've never produced anything. That's because they lack the tools to actually move toward that because they're wrapped up in ideas of perfection. And if they can't write the perfect sentence, right out of the shoot. They don't write one at all. And it's, so it's a deeper issue. It's a mental issue first. And then once you let go of ideas of perfection, just get something out, not worry that it's perfect right out of the shoot. You can actually produce work and be happier because of it. It's like, I was going to say the happiness comes when you're less stressed because of it. And you just do That's right. love that brother. Uh, Sid, I could talk to you all day, but how can people connect with you follow you on social media, (laughs) get your book and so forth. Yeah. Um, well, no social media. They can go to Sid. So three main ways. SidGarzaHillman.com is sort of the main portal where you can, whatever, everything you can connect me and see all the information about me. My books are in stores and on Amazon. So the, and everywhere, cause they're published and that's how that goes. And then, um, podcast is what Sid thinks my YouTube channel, Sid Garza Hillman. Um, and otherwise smallsteppers.com or smallstepintensive.com. The difference is smallsteppers.com is a free six part video that then after that, you can sign up for the online program. If it seems like a good thing for you, it's 12 weeks. Smallstepintensive.com is my private coaching model. And you can set up a free call with me. And if it's a good fit, we roll. If it's not, no worries. So yeah, those are the three main, three main ways. Awesome, brother. Um, for all the listeners, I will have that in the show notes for y'all. But uh, Sid, this was awesome. I could talk to you all day, man. I know. We, 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 there's, we, have, a lot, we have a lot of crossover there. Uh, yeah, cool. 
but I appreciate you. I appreciate the work you're doing, everything that you're doing and what you're up to. And, uh, you know, keep rocking and rolling and keep moving forward with what you're doing. I love it. You too. Total pleasure hanging out with you. And thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.